Welcome to F the Seat. We're back. We are and back. It's uh, been a little bit. We have uh, lots of changes. <laughs> <laughs> Needless to say, yeah. you don't follow our LinkedIn profiles, at least on my end, right? Uh, there's been a few changes, but you know, just outside of just professional wise, there's been a lot of uh, fun stuff going on outside of that too. So, oh yeah, no, but I'm super stoked that we're um, back at the same company trying yeah. to do the best jobs we can with what yeah. we have. Yeah, trying to make changes, you know, <laughs> yeah. pushing it's the envelope a little bit. It's exciting stuff. Um, <laughs> we had, you know, mentioned that we were going to be doing the next episode on mental health. Um, we did record that episode um, with a great friend and colleague, Dr. Lisa Stewart. Um, however, we, we had it be a bit of a happy hour night and we drank a bit too much wine. So um, not sure how much of that podcast will be salvageable. I'm still working on the editing of it, but I'm feeling like we're leaning towards having to re-record it. So we do promise that episode will be out soon. Um, some really great nuggets from Lisa and um, covering a topic that's, that's very, very important and critical from a cultural standpoint, you know, within companies, but also just from a peer leadership standpoint and awareness for everybody. Yeah. Um, and, and, and no worries. Everybody went home safely. Everybody got home safely. So oh yeah. Uh, yeah. That's the beauty and, of, of Lyft and the beauty that, that I live here. Yeah. <laughs> So, so I didn't have to go very far. Um, we all were moving a little bit slow the next day though, but yeah. well, at least I know Lisa and I were, I was going to say, speak for yourself, speak for yourself. <laughs> but today we have an equally important topic to cover. Yes. Um, this one's a fun one. Yeah. It's a fun so one that we've had discussions about on a couple of different occasions and, and, uh, so it'd be interesting to, to kind of talk through this one. Yeah, for sure. And also, you know, topic that you and I both have been a part of programs within companies. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, today we really wanted to talk about sponsorship. Um, what does that look like within an organization? What does it mean? And also kind of um, covering allyship. So what exactly, what exactly is that? And, you know, how, um, how can yeah, you what's be the a difference? good ally? Yeah. What's, what's different allyship, mentorship, sponsorship? Because they're all it's very different. They are very different. Um, and there is, yes, there's some similarities, but the, there is some difference to it. And so understanding what, what the purpose and the reason for having one or the other mm -hmm. um, and why, you know, why we focus on, on the variety of different programs and why some of these programs are just important is, is critical, right? To, especially right now with what's going on. Talk about great resignation, right? Oh, yeah. um, that's, a lot of the reasons people are leaving is they don't feel like they belong in an organization anymore. Right. And could that have been solved by, you know, revisiting or even implementing some of these programs, both officially and unofficially at some of those organizations. Yeah. I mean, and it really covers the spectrum. So it's not just like once someone joins an org and they've been there for a bit and then suddenly, Oh, okay, let's, they're going to join a mentorship or a sponsorship program or something like that. Um, but I mean, it works from the very beginning. So for mm -hmm. example, you know, with, when we talk, well, first of all, let's talk about like mentoring and sponsoring, right? So people have this connotation with mentoring that, oh, they're going to guide that person or it, it's, um, it's almost like a teaching role and that kind of thing. And right. it can be right. Um, in fact, that is kind of the true nature of it is what mentoring could be, but that's not necessarily 
the most effective when you're looking at trying to help people from a DEI perspective and, and give them opportunities within the organization, that's when you have to really look at sponsorship and what sponsorship means. But mentoring from, for example, an onboarding program or something like that, or a, you know, peer-to-peer program, like maybe in leadership or, you know, there's, there's different applications on when you can use a mentor mentorship program. But I think the types of programs that are the most impactful, they're really moving the needle from a DEI perspective within an org is implementing a sponsorship program. And, you know, you and I both, when we worked before at a, co- a couple companies ago, um, they had a sponsorship program, mm-hmm. which in theory was excellent, but, but, um, but, but how do you know it's, uh, yeah, but well, it wasn't very effective, right? Because right. <laughs> there, there's not a lot of diversity. Actually, there's pretty much no diversity now, especially in their SLT. Um, it is even within middle management that's, that's challenging at best. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we can easily pick apart a sponsorship program, but let's talk about kind of some key elements that, um, make a sponsorship program actually work within your organization. And what does that mean? So, you know, for you, like, what is, what is having a sponsorship program mean to you? To me, it means that the minute I walk out of that room and an opportunity comes available, I'm the person that you think of that might be a good fit for it, that you're there advocating for me uh, without me being there, right? That you're sponsoring my ability to do the potential role or assignment or project or whatever it might be that you're my advocate when I'm not in the room. Right. So it's like, so advocacy is huge, right? You need someone that's going to be there. That's going to speak for you where you're not in the room, but also, you know, you need someone who's going to help open those doors and provide access. Absolutely. Once you get the advocacy part, right. It's that accessibility side of things, right. Before you can even, even get into that room to have that conversation, it's getting you access to those conversations in the first place or getting access to be in front of those people. Right. And so bring you into different meetings, events, whatever it might be, but having you involved and present and taking sort of that leadership role or a speaking role so people can see the skills and the qualities that you bring is another way to bring in that sponsorship side. Yeah. I mean, it's, and really, it's like sometimes it's even as simple as giving people stretch projects, Mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. And to help give them more visibility within the organization. And, but what's really important, like a key, I think to me anyway, a key component to, you know, being a a good sponsor would be that, you know, one, obviously you're advocating for that individual or a group of individuals. You're, you know, helping provide access to opportunities that, that um, they may not have access to currently. And in most cases for people, um, people of color or even mm-hmm. um, not just people of color, but, you know, cause we talk about diversity is way more than race and gender, right. but just every, any minority group, right. They don't typically have, or we don't typically have access to opportunities like other people do historically. Right. So, you know, providing that access, but what's really important is being an advocate also when the individual is now taking a risk, you know, in doing this stretch goal or, or, um, or stretch project, right? So giving them the space and the grace to do the work and to make mistakes and that be okay mm-hmm. and supporting them through that process because it would be really easy to say, oh yeah, you know, as a sponsor, 
let's meet a couple times a month. You know, let, tell me what your goals are and what things you're interested in. And, you know, let me talk to a few people. And but that's really like, a mentorship at yeah. that point. You're that's having that type of a meeting. That's more of a mentoring exactly. versus a sponsorship meeting. And there right. are two different pieces. Right. And, and again, they, they can cross a little bit, but they're still very different outcomes. Well, or it's like a halfway between a, yeah. a mentorship and a sponsorship, right? Because then if it's like they're, oh yeah, okay, let me talk to a few people. And then say you do get that individual, um, you know, access to a different opportunity, mm-hmm. um, but then you don't support them. Yeah. Right. It's kind of similar when we talk about if we kind of segue into like, you know, allyship, it would be a similar thing where you say, oh yeah, I support you and I'm there for you. But when it really matters and you're not there, that's not allyship. You know, it's like you have to be with the person through the entire process, um, especially when things get tough. So, um, you know, you have to be that person willing to speak up for that individual. And so and sometimes it's not stops. comfortable. Oh, yeah. Well, most of the time it's not comfortable. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I can tell you from personal experience, I haven't um, I haven't made many friends um, when it comes to speaking out or up for people, even in my new role now, you know, mm-hmm. when I've spotted a few things where I'm like, Hey, that's just not okay. Um, and because I brought them up, I know with a few people I'm labeled as, as that person. I was going to say you become the difficult person. Yeah, exactly. And I'm not, I'm just the person who actually gives a shit <laughs> so, <laughs> and who wants people to <clears throat> thrive and grow in their role and for people to be respected right? It's, right. And, and a big part of it is I'm not good with corporate politics. Um, I just, I never have been. I don't like playing the games. I just, I'm kind of more of that. I am kind of pragmatic when it comes to work. It's like, can't we just all work together and get stuff done? And can't we just really Well, then appreciate- HR wouldn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, leadership wouldn't exist. Can't put all of it on HR. True. True. But you know, it all ends up at the end of the day, a problem. If it's a problem, it's an HR problem. Right. And then what happens to that individual? Because we know historically HR is not really there for the employee. Right. Well, so, yeah, I mean, that's another whole nother topic. Let's say it's a whole nother topic. Right. So, but, okay. So, so we, so what, so when you talk about allyship, right. Yeah. You know, what do you consider to be an ally? Like what has, if you had to so, sit there and define an ally, what do you define an ally as? Well, in a way, it's another form of sponsorship. You know, it is someone who also advocates for you or, you know, for, it could be for a number of reasons why, you know, allyship is also important. So, you know, for example, if you're a good ally, like say someone is talking to you about their their diversity, or even their name, like learn how to pronounce someone's name properly. Right. Mm -hmm. Or when someone's telling you about, you know, how they describe themselves, make sure you're using the right pronouns. If you're not sure you can ask, you know, other ways are if you know, if if you're paying attention, I think, you know, part of being a good ally is that you're really, you're listening to those individuals, to those people. Um, And so when they talk about their own identity, you're, you're mirroring the same language they use. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you're just taking the time to get to know them. You're acknowledging, like if they have important things 
to them. Like, for example, it could be, could be family. It could be something about their religious beliefs or cultural beliefs, those types of things. And just acknowledging that and supporting that. Um, also being a really good ally is you're really trying to take notice when it comes to say participation, you know, so you're, you know, you're giving people the ability to participate in discussions, add value, listening to their voice on, you know, key topics to help you drive innovation and change within your org. And if you notice someone's not speaking up, then take note of that and see how you can better support them. Um, you yeah. Know, I mean, I, th- I think for one of the things I'm, that I look at when I consider an ally, right. Is when, especially in, in the community of the marginalized communities and, and mm-hmm. the, the pool of marginalized communities, right. Is, 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 is what you're saying, but on top of that, understanding that, especially if you are, um, if you are a non-marginalized individual, mm-hmm. that you understand that that struggle that I'm expressing is not maybe the same struggle or that your privilege is different than my privilege and that you can respect that and that you can understand that and that you can you don't have to fully understand what it feels to be oppressed, but that you are understanding that you're taking that struggle on as your own. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole host of ways that you can be an ally and right. an advocate for people. But, you know, I read this quote. I can't remember. I know I posted it on LinkedIn a while back, but I don't remember where it came from. But, you know, it talks about privilege and it says, you know, privilege is not what you've gone through. It's what you haven't had to go through. Right. You know, and acknowledging that. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't mean that one person's experience has been harder or better than anyone else's. The key thing is just to remember that people's experiences are different. So don't marginalize them further just because you can't relate to someone's experience, you know, but be, but be open to understanding and learning and gaining a new perspective. So that way, you know, as you're having, as you're, personal circle grows, right? You understand the impact of maybe some of the things that you say, right? Some of the things that you, that you do that you didn't realize could have well, been. Yeah. Uh, That's being introspective for, yeah. know, for our own biases, right? And yeah. we've talked about that before, like how even you and I have our own biases. So, mm-hmm. um, and we have our own biases within our own cultures, yep. you know, and groups. So nobody's perfect. Um, yep. You know, I think another really important um, element to allyship is like you said, you know, when you know someone is different than you is amplify, helping to amplify their voice. Right. Um, Right. So helping to amplify their experience because that's acknowledging that you've taken the time to learn about them. You're Mm -hmm. acknowledging and having empathy that their journey has been quite different than yours. Um, But every, but everyone's journey is equally important. And I think, I think it's important to, to note and it's because I saw this, well, in the news, you, uh, you probably have seen it, how there's this, these lawsuits going on now because one of the, this one company um, used uh, gender as a reason to fire an employee because they're mm-hmm. trying to meet their DEI quotas. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, you know, people are kind of jumping on the bandwagon there and they're saying, you know, this is going to be a wake up call for people in DEI positions to be careful. And it's like, no, it's not <laughs> because people who truly understand how do you implement and execute DEI programs would never use race or gender as a reason to fire anybody because true 
truly based off performance and everything else. Yeah. Nothing on that. But from a DEIB perspective, in terms of programs, when you have, you know, within your company, they're not meant to marginalize anyone or punish anyone. They're meant to create a, a level playing field for everybody. And, you know, to provide access to opportunities for everyone. And I think that's, that is easy to get lost because people, you know, focus so much on the race and gender aspect of DEI. And we have to some way kind of try to find a way to change the narrative of that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, true inclusivity doesn't mean excluding white people. Mm -mm. You know, that goes against the heart. If anybody's ever said that. (laughs) What's that? And if they do, then that's not really DE&I. No, it's not. And that's the thing is like, that's what's happening with that other company that's, you know, really under the gun right now. Um, And again, you know, we'll, like we, we normally do, we'll post links to, you know, the different articles and um, Mm -hmm. things that we're talking about. So I I know where I can, that was a thread on LinkedIn and I was commenting with a couple um, people I know, but, but yeah, it's just, it's interesting that now um, I think we're going to see there's this huge push for DEI, DEI initiatives within companies. And now you're going to start seeing people in a way, try to gaslight that movement um, mm-hmm. and twist, twist the narrative, but, you know, and, and try to use, like, I can see people who are not for true cultural transformation, trying to use, you know, the those lawsuits as a reason not to implement change within the organization or to be ultimately incredibly gun shy about implementing new um, initiatives within the org. Like for example, um, we're all trying to work on, you know, diversity and inclusive hiring best practices and improving them. Right. Right. And um, we just have to be very careful that you have to be open-minded about those types of things, but absolutely. But I mean, when we can talk about the bro culture another day, um, cause it's pretty, that bro culture exists to this day. And, um, it's, you know, anyways, it's there. Um, but back to, you know, in terms of the mentorship and sponsorship and the allyship side of things. So mm-hmm. if you had to, um, if you had to design a program, a sponsorship program, what would be some of the key things that you would include in that program to in the program or in terms of like, even just starting to develop the program, starting to develop the program from the start to end, right? What does it look like? So from like, well, like from start to end on any initiative that you're doing, I mean, you should be looking at the needs assessment, right? So, right. um, Which (laughs) a lot of people tend to skip that and they just go right in with their own vision and, you know, decide to spew that across the org before they talk to what's important, you know, talk to their people about what's important. And so the way I always approach it is I usually spend, you know, that time for the needs assessment is of course, talking to key stakeholders on what's important. I look at what are our business objectives, but more importantly, I look at, you know, the makeup of the team structure and the teams and the individuals within the company and talk to them to find out what's important to them in terms of like, if we're focusing on sponsorship for the sense of uh, career pathing, or if it's sponsorship for the purpose of, you know, just pure DEI, like, cause you know, there could be different focuses. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, most of the time, if companies are undertaking a sponsorship program, it's probably because they have 
underrepresented individuals within leadership or within different departments. It doesn't even have to be management, right? Right. So really trying to understand what's important to the people that they work with, right? But also knowing, hey, the company could be having innovation challenges. They could be having a diversity of thought challenge because they're creating monocultures. So, and you may not be able to gather all of that from talking to people because everyone, if they have a monoculture, most people are, they probably look alike. To the look alike. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> like they don't, they don't know what they, they don't, don't know, know that they have that, that it yeah. exists. So, you know, so if you're, if you're truly trying to create the program, you, you have to take everyone's hear, try to hear everyone's voice. Right. But then you need to sit down and you, you have to say, okay, what are kind of the key elements that are going to be the driving force in, in structuring this program? You know, you have to, and, and what's going to be the accountability that you're going to build into that program. So uh, yes, you can, you know, come up with criteria and how you're going to assign sponsors with, with particular individuals, right? But into that program, you have to, you have to make sure that they clearly understand both parties, what exactly is advocacy, right? What exactly is access to opportunities? What exactly does it mean to be able to give that individual the space and the grace to do their work and taste, take risks without being penalized? And what exactly does support look like? And everyone and has think to- sponsors are just internal either. I think sponsorships, you know, I know we're, we're talking about building one for a particular- Yeah, we're talking about building build one, one for a company, for a company right but even I'm always, I always look at it as, you know, if I'm going to sponsor somebody, if they're not happy where they currently are, I'm going to find them the best way in the best or best opportunity to find a way for them to find what does make them happy, happy, even if it's not at that organization. Right. Right. And that goes within like, that's almost more of like a coaching role, which should be kind of built into everything that, that leaders are doing anyway. But yeah, but if you're talking about within a company, my goal is you're focusing on building that sponsorship program because you're really looking at the development, the development and the retention of that person. Mm -hmm. So um, it's going to be purely focused on that. And the, the, the goal is that you want them to stay. And so exactly. there, has, there has to be incentive for them to stay. But we do know that it may be flushed out. Maybe the intention was for that person to stay, but it may be flushed out that they don't want to stay because, or they don't have the opportunity to do what they really want to do there. And so then sponsorship comes in that form, like you said, that's that support element of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You support them to stay within the org or you support them to exit gracefully with the best intent, you know, that, you know, Hey, they're going off into the world to, you know, yes, they're leaving your company, but don't ever assume that that individual would never come back because I've seen people leave companies for other opportunities, but they've left on good terms. They had great support from their leadership. Mm-hmm. The leadership was very vested in their success and they understood mm-hmm. that they needed to, you know, to do this for their own personal well-being, their own personal growth. And then when a different role, you know, opportunity opened back up, say years later at that company that they left, I've seen people come back, you know? So, and for me, I think that's what a successful sponsorship program would look like. I mean, yes, of course we want to dampen this, great resignation, right? And we want to create opportunities and support for people to stay. Mm-hmm. But if they do leave, then let's create that support to where they're not afraid to come back. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And, but that's also getting 
getting the culture within the company to understand that, yes, you're taking a risk if you're investing in people that they might leave, right? But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't invest in those people. <laughs> because if you don't, you're ensuring that they will leave. Yeah. And, no, it's, it's... you know, and, and that's unfortunately how a great majority of people or companies think. Um, I think the but, other part is, right, is making sure that those sponsors want to be sponsors. And that's one of the challenges is when you force a sponsorship, when you create a sponsorship program, right, finding the right people to become sponsors, mm-hmm. even as a mentorship, right? You know, I always, I always struggle with the fact of making a mentor, mentoring program or a sponsorship program um, built where you have sort of these you're requiring certain leaders to participate in there and you know that you don't want to be there. Yeah. And you know that they are not happy there and you know that they aren't excited to help propel your career. So, you know, that's the one struggle I do have sometimes is with those types of programs is you're putting a, because most people, right, typically on the sponsorship side of things, those are people that are, you know, you're, that are further in their careers, right? They're able to make help open those doors, give you that accessibility, be that advocate. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be a little bit more senior in their career. And you have people that just really don't want to, it's not intentional. I don't know, maybe it is intentional. No, it is intentional. Some people, they're just not interested. They just don't in, want yeah. to do that. That's not their, their passion. That's not, they don't get excited about it. It's not important to them. It's not a value to them. They don't feel, they feel like it's extra work. Yeah. And you know, and it becomes where you see this balance or this, um, I don't know if balance is the right word, but this discrepancy between the successful relationships and the unsuccessful ones when you have those mandato- mandated sponsorship relationships, right? Well, that's um, the, the account. You're talking about the accountability piece, right? So, I mean, how do you, count, you can how have, do you, you can have great, well, you can have great, great programs that you're, that you, the teams put together and build, right? But if there's no accountability built into them, then they're going to fail. So there has to be a criteria, like how do you call the herd of sponsors? You know what I mean? Like if, if, first of all, obviously if someone, it, hold on, let me, let me go back. There is a fine line between someone who's just not interested. That's an easy weed out, right? They're just not interested in being a mentor or a sponsor or an ally or anything, Right. So those aren't the people you should be spending your time with, right? But, but they're your but they're your SLT, they're your senior leadership team. They don't have time. Well, that's different because that's where, you know, obviously none of these types of programs work in a silo. So you have to have it within combination of you can't have a really strong sponsorship program if you don't have a really strong leadership program that you've if you've developed, right? Because you have to right. set the mind. Exactly. Yeah. That's where you that's where you got to start it early and, yeah. and start creating it's, that culture of giving back. Right. It's right, a cultural culture transformation. of support. Yep. Yeah. It's, but it starts but there before you even can jump into the sponsorship program. Right. But if we're talking about like right now, cause like today we're talking about sponsorship. So it's like, what do you do to, what are the, some of the things you can do to you know structure the program, but mm-hmm. also what can you do to make sure that there's accountability? And so, for example, when it comes to accountability, um, what I was saying is that if you, there's a fine line between people who are just disinterested and also people who are overly interested, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
because some people who say who are only focused on wanting to be a people manager, sometimes they're not the best managers, right? And it's kind of like people, I can't remember who said it. It was probably, it was probably Jeff <laughs> at work, I think. He said um, that people who want to be politicians shouldn't be politicians, right? <laughs> so it, it's kind of a similar concept. So but not always, like some people just really desire because they care about people and they want to like mentor and help grow people, right? So that's one thing. But because you have to be as a, as a leader, you have to be vested in your team's success, not your success. And- Well, I mean, how um, can you be successful as a leader when your team's not going to be successful? Exactly. Because, you know, it's not- It doesn't work. And, the, and the, the term leader gets thrown around a lot. And, you know, but, you know, you ha- you ha- there's so many facets to leadership. So that's why- you know, you have to identify who are those key leaders within your organization that that you want and you know will support the in, the other individuals within the company to help advocate for them, to help give them access, to help support them. Who's not afraid to speak up for people because that's part of it's a critical piece right there. You mentioned that it's not always popular or it's uncomfortable sometimes to speak up for people, and. A lot of people are very vested in what other people think of them or how will it be perceived if they right. were to say this, right? If I stand and, up and say something, how am I going to look and what happens to my reputation, which is one of the things about sponsorship, right? That sponsors are careful about, you know, if I bring this person sort of under my wing and advocate for them, how is it going to look on me? Yeah. It's a reflection of me. Exactly. And, and I say, just as you have to give the individual you're sponsoring the ability to take risks, you have to take risks in your professional career if you truly want to sponsor and be an ally to somebody. And you cannot, you can't go halfway. You have to be fully committed. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, you can't say you're an ally or you're a sponsor, but then when it really matters and that individual really needs your support, you're not willing to speak up. And that is where, programs break down. That's where leadership breaks down. And so that's where you have to, you know, first you have to create the type of culture that allows your people to make mistakes and learn from them. You have to create the kind of culture that values a diversity of thought and diversity of voices. And that's not a culture of competition against each other, but it's a competition of growing the business together. Right. And when you, you have to create safe spaces for people Mm -hmm. and that's in all areas or in all programs that you develop. And that's why, you know, DEI is, is not a siloed thing. It should be a practice throughout the entire organization in everything that's done. And what becomes and, part of the, it becomes a string that holds everything together or the, the right. string that goes through everything and, and not just one string, but multiple fibers that go throughout the entire right. culture, structure, the everything. And then it doesn't, it doesn't become talking about, oh, this is a DEI initiative. It no. just becomes, this is part of our process and this is how we do things. This is our day-to-day. This is how we, day, yeah. how we operate on a day-to-day basis. This is who we are as an as a organization. As a, yeah, yeah. Like here are our core values that we believe as a company in how you should be treating people, so, I mean, <laughs> you know? So and what, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, you go. Yeah, you go ahead. I was going <laughs> to change it a little bit. Go oh, ahead. Okay. No, I'm just saying that, it, it, it definitely is, it's something that needs to be completely, you know, inclusive of all your programs and everything that you're doing across the org. And you have to, a company has to spend that time 
to invest in creating these programs, but more importantly, really investing in the people that they expect to be the um, stakeholders and active participants within that program. Typically, that's going to be some leader within some sort, you know, or some area of the business and making sure that they're not a well poisoner, that they're actually, you know, and they're not committed to, or they're not um, continuing to spread their biases or, um, well, that's tough. Yeah. Their vision of monoculture. Right. But having people be willing to look at themselves. Right. But, um, but if you don't have any leadership development program whatsoever within your company, um, that's a problem. You got to start there. Yeah. So who's been your favorite, I'm going to switch it up here. Who's been your, um, most impactful mentor ally or sponsor? Do you have one? You know, I would say, um, Jim Sheriff, he was my boss and he was a CEO of TechWald and he was, or is, I should say, um, he is a truly empathetic leader. Um, he, you know, I actually, I try to follow his process of like really trying to instill and build trust within my mm-hmm. team. So there's a lot of things that I learned from him that, you know, I think he, he has made me a better leader. He has also been very instrumental in helping me take a long, hard look in the mirror <laughs> at some of, um, you know, my shortcomings and yeah. how, you know, how I can like really be better about just being aware of them. Yeah. And he just was, you know, he just was a great person to work for. He gave yeah. you a lot of trust. Um, there were times when we had, you know, our conversations where I'm like, no, I think it needs to be this way. And he's like, no, I think it needs to be this way. <laughs> and, but what was great too, was that he was not afraid to tell the team like, Hey, Hey, I made a mistake. We should have done it this way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, and also like not, you know, he would rib you a little bit. It's like, see, we tried it that way and it worked out. So, um, he just was very, as a, as a manager and leader, he was very empathetic. He was very, um, I trusted him. Mm-hmm. Um, he created safe spaces to, yeah. you know, have meaningful conversations and, um, but yeah, so I'd say him. How about for you? You know, I was thinking about this as I was preparing that question for you. Um, <laughs> hold on, That's okay. Are- Just so everyone knows, um, we have doggies that like to bark. We have when dogs that are going to bark. Yep. And, uh, and I have like- a son who just got home from school. <laughs> So um, puppies might bark and that's okay. Puppies might bark and get a little excited. Um, Let's see. Sponsor wise. Gosh. Hi, baby. Hey, Leo. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would say from a sponsorship standpoint, the one that stands out the most is probably the one that's impacted my career the most is probably, um, back in my Anheuser-Busch days, you know, I think it was before the whole term of sponsorship was really around uh, or really spoken of or or heard of or discussed. Mm -hmm. Um, But there was, you know, I worked, my career started in brewing, right? And so that was my background and um, decided that's not where I wanted to head. And had it not been for the HR manager at the LA brewery at the time, um, convincing me and telling me to pursue a path and, and trying to help me pursue the path of moving over to uh, recruiting and kind of getting me into the 
direction and meeting with the right people, I don't know what I would be doing today. I don't know, maybe it would have taken me a little longer to get to where I am, but you know, without her, um, without her support, without Lisa's support, probably wouldn't have been able to make that drastic switch from brewing to HR, um, especially at the time. It didn't really, it wasn't very common at AB. And um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think, I, I think for sure that probably has been one of the most impactful ones so far. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've had others, you know, the other part is it's, it's, interesting because you know you think you have a good sponsor or you think you have a good mentor and then all of a sudden they disappear um yeah it's kind of sad because you thought you had built a relationship with that individual and and you know come to find out it's it's all about the business and not necessarily about you know you as the individual that's not lisa but you know other people yeah that does happen i mean i've had that happen too well you know the company that you and I both work for previously. Yeah. And I, there was, it was just kind of, a, um, what's the best way to put it? It's like, well, like what most people do with their companies do with their DEI initiatives, it's just was a check the box thing. Yeah. So um, there wasn't a lot of advocacy there. There definitely wasn't um, access to any additional opportunities or anything like that. But I think you know, if you think about things, you know, having things come from a positive intent, I think there was a positive intent in trying to create that program, yeah. but it just wasn't successful. So um, is there, is intent positive or negative? Um, no, I think the intent was, was positive. I think, I know, but I always used to say the word, you know, I always say the intent should always be positive. It shouldn't be a positive intent or negative intent. Your no, intent it should always be positive. positive. Like when you're, when yeah. you're talking about, and I just use that phrase with two of my team members this week, I said, just, you know, there was a communication issue happening. And Mm -hmm. I said, if you always come from the mindset that it's positive, positive intent coming from both of you, that should right there, you know, kind of clear a lot of the confusion and the issues. Yeah. Yeah. It's more of that. Now you realize, no, it's not a negative thing. No one's trying to say you're not doing your job, right. Or you're not doing this or whatever. It's clearly there's some mis- miscommunications. And so that's when you need to get on the phone with each other, have a video call and you need to yeah. talk it out. So I think, you know, with most, I think I can't say with most programs that, that get created, there's positive intent. I think some are purely created as busy work for people to make them think that they care, but they don't really care. I think that is the case at some companies. And employees can see through that. Right. But employees I do can tell when it's BS versus when it's not. Because you know what? We've been really good and not cussed at all on this call or on this podcast. Um, I said shit earlier. Did you? Aren't you I proud of me? Catch it. I didn't catch it. Because normally you get upset with me because I don't cuss enough, you said. I know. I haven't <laughs> even said a single word like that. I've been a good girl. You're actually pretty like somber today. I you know. know I, don't, I think you know what it is. I think I've just been a crazy week. It has been a very long um, week. An enlightening <laughs> week. <laughs> Yeah. Um, a not just crazy week from um, work-wise. I mean, yeah. last night I was I looked at 300 different resumes last night. It was a long day. Well, we appreciate um, you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been, I think it's just, you know, a little eye-opening of things that are going on um, and just trying to see where, where, where the right fit is and, and where, where the work's going to go. But it's definitely a lot of fun and I'm enjoying it. So, Good. you know, it's been, say, like I said, I it's been a good week. You can't say I didn't week. warn you. 
(laughs) (laughs) But no, it it has been a week. I I hear you. I am, you know, one of my team members (laughs) that when we got on a call yesterday, she goes, you look tired. I said, I'm exhausted, actually. (laughs) Um, Thanks. (laughs) But yeah, it definitely has been a really busy week. And um, what people don't know is we had quite a lot of stuff happening (laughs) at work this week. Yeah. But um, I just say it's a target rich environment and there's lots of room for opportunity. So, and that's, um, and that's really like where this whole, like even the mentorship side of things, right. It's having the opportunity to talk to other people in my network and be like, okay, doing this gut check type of thing is like, am I, am I totally off base? Is this really, you know, am I thinking about this correctly and being able to lean on your network, right. Mm -hmm. Whether they're formal or informal, mentorship or sponsorship or allyship relationships, you know, that's at the end of the day, that is something that does help your, your personal well-being, your mental well-being, right? It Absolutely. allows you to, to be able to, you know, gut check to see how, how are you doing today? Like, how are these things? Okay. Is this, yeah. And I think that at the end of the day, right, is important in terms of successful programs and, and just successful relationships and the ability to network. And why is it important to even network, right? It's it's for those reasons to be able to help others that you had no idea. Like even this week, for example, I had um, somebody reach out to me that's um, I'm part of the uh, Oregon State Vamos OSU Latinx Alumni Association. I'm the chair for, for our group. Mm-hmm. And, you know, somebody else on my board was like, hey, you know, I want to become a recruiter, but I'm, I work in the educational field in, in higher ed, but how do I make the jump? And so I was like, let's talk yeah. those things like that, right? That's the importance of the network and importance of the mentorship piece and the importance of, you know, being able to find opportunities and encouraging them um, to be able to be successful, you know, you know, let, reminding them that, you know, you don't have to qualify for every requirement that's on a job posting what's the worst they can say yeah no right and and we know that historically women are the ones who don't apply for a job unless they yep. pretty much meet over 90 percent of the criteria whereas yep. men i think it was they like apply for everything yeah it was really it was really low and so I, that's yeah. what i always tell people too and i'm like just even if you have a portion of it and you're interested you know just be able to articulate how your skills transfer you transfer and yep. if you're not sure you know, like I, I'm always willing to talk to people about that too. Like if you're not yeah. sure, then let's talk about it. This yeah. is how you could, you know, discuss transferable skills into this new role. Absolutely. But it's, it's what you're saying is like the, it's the willingness to help lift up others, you know, mm-hmm. and to be just to have sometimes access means access to our knowledge, right? So access to experiences that we've had, or even like advice if they want it, on how they can go about something. So you definitely have to um, be willing to provide that. And we know it's daunting. Like, I mean, this has been a crazy week for me, but if anyone on my team needs to talk to me, I make the time to talk to them, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's because it's important. And, yeah. and, you know, and I read, I read in this article, or actually it was a Ted talk I was listening to, and she was talking about, um, it was the allyship uh, post that I shared today on LinkedIn, but, mm-hmm. and um, I'll go ahead and link to it on our website and with an F, actually I shared it on F the seat as well, but um, 
you know, she was talking about people, the reason people become allies. And it's like, for most, for, for some people, it's because it's the business case, you know, because you know that, Hey, diverse teams, they're more productive. They're more innovative, you know, all these great things that can help companies make more money for other people. It's because they want fairness and justice, you know, for Mm -hmm. marginalized groups. And then for some people, it's because they want to build a better legacy, you know, for their families and, and things like that, their children. And so that's one of the things that I was thinking about, like, well, you know, why do I do it? And right. for me, it's all three. Right. You know, I do it for all three of those reasons. And, and I would hope <laughs> that the majority of people would want to do them for all three reasons, right? Um, and not just for the business case, but hey, even if it's just for the business case, at least that's progress. <laughs> right? <laughs> There's got to be some kind of positive intent that we can fish out of there. Yeah. But you know what I mean? I'm just saying like, um, but we do it because it's the right thing to do. Right. And and I think it goes goes back to the fact of why are you doing it? Being intent, being intentional about the why Mm -hmm. is, is critical in order for everything to be successful. And, and again, if we, let's take a look at where we are right now, people are burnt out, people are tired, people are done, people are you know, are reassessing their current situations. They're reassessing their, what they're, what they're willing to accept and what they're not willing to accept. Yeah. And the more of those conversations that you can have as a sponsor, as an ally, as a mentor, and be able to support each other, not just a one-way street, right? So a lot of these conversations can be two-way, mm-hmm. you know, helps to ensure that that burnout doesn't exist, that, that, you know, that, continued enthusiasm is there for, for their opportunities, for their roles, for their growth, for their, you know, for their livelihood, that those things are still there. Um, and well, you can hear the burnout in both of us this, just this week. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, and um, I'm not even there full time. I know. Right. <laughs> You're so, <welcome. laughs> That's part of the exciting changes that happened is I just decided to kind of do my own thing and be, yeah. try out the consulting side of things. And Until I pulled you into my company. <laughs> Help you. Yeah. You know, like, which was, it's been awesome because I've been able to kind of do that. And then I'm still looking, you know, still got a couple other little projects that I'm potentially working on as well. But, yeah. you know, the fact that it's, it's a little scary, but that's another another opportunity where I was able to kind of lean on people like yourself, um, lean on people to, you know, that have, are kind of cheering me on in the background, you know, Darnell and yeah. uh, and Cindy and stuff that are like, you can do this. You can, you totally do, can this. do this. You totally and, can do this. And allowing my fears to kind of quiet down, but without those, those sponsors to be able to sit there and say, you can do this, you, you got it. Mm-hmm. Um, would definitely not been the reason why I would have done it. Yeah. I would have harassed you until you did it. <laughs> <laughs> you know that. So if anybody's but, looking for anything, let yeah. me know. Talent acquisition, DE&I and talent development. Exactly. <laughs> um, alrighty. So I know that you have to go do some stuff with your son this evening. Um, yes, but we are, we are, we're, we've got a little, uh, evening, out in downtown we're going to soccer store because you know we got a new season starting up so time for some new year we got haircuts and going to dinner we're going to dinner date night yep have you been there 
No, I haven't. I, um, yeah. I miss doing the dinner date nights with my son. Um, him and I used to go out because my wife and daughter are, um, I don't want to say picky because it makes Kathy mad when I say that they're particular about what they like to eat. (laughs) And, and so, but Michael and I, you know, he's my little foodie. So him and I used to go out on, on little, uh, date, date nights for, for, you know, try new restaurants, but. So I'm selective too. I know you are, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, so before I think it was like the Christmas 2019 Christmas, 2019, I gave my son a certificate of 12 restaurants that I picked that were, you know, some of the more well-known, better restaurants in the Portland area. And so I made him one one of his Christmas gifts was sort of a punch card of these 12 restaurants. And so the idea was that he could pick one every month that, so we could go. Well, January, we were busy. We were traveling February. We kind of got busy. We were traveling. Um, and so he was like, I'm just going to move that to March and we can start in March. Well, then y'all know what happened March, 2020. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> he's had that, <laughs> that Christmas voucher for what are we a year and a half into it now? So oh, man. he was like, he's like pulling it out. We're going to pull it out and we're going to restart it and start going and, and trying out some new spots. And unfortunately, I think there's one or two places on the, on this punch card list that are no longer with us. They've closed. So didn't you know, survive the pandemic, but we're horrible. definitely going to go out there and support some local spots and, um, and make sure we, we get them some business. So yeah, we're excited to go try the place and, um, and get some new food and, get some yummy food. Well, I can't wait to hear about it. And I can't wait to hear because we, you don't have time for me to harass you about it <laughs> today, but there's some, there's a new person on the dating front for Marcia. So oh, goodness, yes. we will definitely <laughs> chat about that on our next episode, but I do want to wrap, you know, this current episode with, uh, you know, we always have a challenge, right? Yep. And, uh, So first I want to say, you know, there's a couple things that are worth checking out. Um, It's related to the topics that we talked about today. I will link to them, like I said, on the website, but um, one of them is actually the YouTube video, Marcia, that you shared with me. I I watched the whole thing. Um, A seat at the table for women of color in the workplace. Mm -hmm. It is a couple years old, it's, but it's not super long. It's still pretty relevant. It's very relevant. It's It's incredibly relevant. relevant. (laughs) Even though it's a couple years old, it's still pretty relevant. Hey, and it's from the fifties is still relevant. Yeah, I know. (laughs) We'll talk about the whole, I I, I have something I was going to talk about that. Um, But no, I I follow this lady on on LinkedIn, uh, Minda Hartz. And so she has these live um, videos that she'll post. And this was just one of the older ones that um, I was looking at. I was like, oh yeah, we should definitely talk about this. Yeah, it was, it was, you know, had some good insight. Um, definitely worth checking out another, um, one. And I referenced it today when we were chatting, but, um, it's, um, on ideas.ted.com and it's mm-hmm. how to be an ally in the workplace, 13 ways to do it. And what's great is it talks a lot about, um, micro affirmations. So we talk about microaggressions and most people are familiar with that. Not everybody, but most people are. And this is really talking about, um, micro affirmations and just kind of what allyship means. And so, um, micro affirmations are just little ways I'm reading from the article, little ways you can (laughs) affirm someone's identity, recognize and validate their experience and expertise, build confidence, develop trust, foster belonging, and support someone in their career. 
it is definitely worth the quick read and the TED talk is less than 10 minutes. So if you get a chance, please check it out. That's actually my challenge for our listeners. If you just take a few moments to, you know, read that article at minimum. Um, if you have time, definitely check out that YouTube video and think to yourself, like how, how can you be a better ally? And, you know, you may think that you've been a great ally, but have you really been doing all those things? Like, have you been, have you been there and have you spoken up um, for that individual when it was really needed? Um, or did you, were you just an ally part way? And, right. you know, it's okay <laughs> if, you know, we, we're not perfect. We're not, we're not robots. Um, we also have to be, you know, I can understand how some people would be concerned, especially if they're in a culture at work, that's not a safe culture to do that. But so if that's the situation that you might be in, then what are you doing to help fix that situation? You know, I guess that would be my, that would be my challenge. Do you have a challenge for anyone, Marcia? Normally I give out the challenges. I know. I know. But, Usually you give out the challenges. My, um, it's funny. Cause I was just going to say, um, if you haven't considered being a sponsor for somebody before mm-hmm. and are not sure, you know, if you should be a sponsor, check out some of the articles and the resources that we'll be posting. But I would say challenge yourself to be a sponsor, like find somebody that you can sponsor, find somebody that you can support and help to create those, that accessibility um, to their future potential and their future roles. Um, I mean, that's really, when we start talking about how do we start to see um, who we look like in representation in the leadership roles and leadership community, those that are making the decisions, those are the, those that are in the fucking room and not, you know, in, in the, in the room where the decisions are made, right. Mm-hmm. That's how we get there. Sponsor somebody. If you are somebody from, doesn't matter if you're marginalized community leadership role, non-marginalized community leadership role, just find somebody to sponsor who may not necessarily have that additional support yeah. and that additional advocacy. So my challenge would be is take a look at your network, find somebody to sponsor. That's excellent advice. Just want to say that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you you very much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We clearly need a nap. I mean, I didn't even bring a drink to this talk. I had water. I have a glass of water that I barely touched. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But all I was going to tell you is. I do plan on drinking later. (laughs) Last night I was watching uh, the new Netflix special, uh, the Colin Kaepernick, Colin in Black and White. You texted me about, I haven't seen it yet, but I put it on my list. It was was such an, it's, it's kind of a, it's a great because he pulls in some of the historical aspects as to where, you know where some of this oppressive and systemic racism has existed. And he sort of reflects back on his life as sort of these aha moments of like, oh, this is why, you know, now I understand why these things were happening or now I can see clearly about the issues growing up. And it was just eye-opening. I didn't realize how far removed he was from his culture and and how difficult it would have been to have grown up in an isolation the way he did. but he, his, his quote, one of his quotes at the end was around trust your power. And I would say, you know, we all have a little that power in ourselves and, and the ability to not give up. Right. I mean, I have a saying on my desk that says never, never give up. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's that's the thing to remember is, you know, trust yourself, trust your power, trust, never give up. Um, and again, what's the worst that can happen? They'll say no. Right. And that's a really great lesson too, like about that program that you, you never really know what the authentic, you know, person who's coming to work, they can't always be their authentic self, right. but you never really know what's going on underneath the surface. So what you see of them is that tip of that iceberg. And exactly. so they carry with them a whole lot of other stuff. And that's why it's important for us to always, always keep that in mind when we, Absolutely. when we, when we deal with each other, but yeah. No, absolutely. But yeah, it was, it was just a great show to kind of, it was fun because it's a great show to watch with like younger adults, younger kids, not young, young kids, but you know, teenagers and that kind of thing. Yeah. Teenagers. Because it's kind of funny and interactive and it talks about him growing up in his teenage years and, and reflecting on, you know, why some of these things happened. And he talks about some of the, the key baseball player who decided to not join the, uh, I'm going to get this wrong because I don't watch baseball, but American Baseball League back in the day. <laughs> I watch baseball. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> I'm going to get it all wrong because he had to identify as white and decided that that's not what he wanted to do because that wasn't his true self. And he decided to stick with the Negro League instead. Um, yeah. And had he chosen a different path, could it have been more successful? Who knows, right? But he chose a path that was authentic to himself. And that was back to that authenticity. And that's something that, you know, you and I talk about all the time is authenticity. And mm-hmm. that's one of the things that I can see in, in his show is that he truly believes in that authenticity side of things. That's good, though. You know, I think we all get to a point in our career where that starts mattering a lot more. Or, or it's always mattered. I think it we matters become- even more. Yeah, but I think we become a little, a little more, um, what's the right way to put it? Um, I'm not as afraid. (laughs) I'm not as afraid anymore to like speak up and out about it. And I guess I'm not as afraid anymore to be labeled as that person. Right. Um, because it's, because now in a way, almost, I feel like, wow, I really wish I had been doing this more in a, but in a, you know, professional way, um, I can't just be hot-headed Latina and get all mad about things, but, um, it's just, that's just a, um, generalization because not all Latinas are hot-headed. This is true. However, I know many, (laughs) but, but I'm talking about about me personally. I'm not talking about other people. I'm talking about me personally. Like, you know, I, I, before I was, you know, I'd get on that soapbox and, you know, so it doesn't always come across as, as, yeah, as, I hear you. Um, I yeah, you know what I mean. Like you want it to be received, but I think now that I've gotten older, I have learned more restraint. Believe it or mm-hmm. not, um, mm-hmm. but also I think I'm less I'm less concerned about what people will think of me, because those people who would think poorly of me for speaking out and being an ally for somebody, they're not my people, right? Yeah, and those those are the individuals that like if you have a problem with someone speaking up and out for someone else, then you should take a really long look in the mirror and say, why do I have a problem with this? Yeah. Because it's just general, you know, care for people to Absolutely. not sit in a meeting and let someone gaslight someone else. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just, it's just the right thing to do. So with that, with that, 
We're we wrapping should, it up. We should yeah. have wrapped it up a little while ago, but we're wrapping it up. I now. know, but you know, we ramble. Well, that I know. Just happens and, well, it's just, you know. you know, it's been such a long time since we've done this. So we're a little out of practice, yeah. but we're just anyhow. tired, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so it's been awesome. We gave you guys a challenge. Um, remember it's not about just getting a seat at the table. About getting in the fucking room. Still in the room. <laughs> you had to drop those. F-bombs I had to there. drop one. I had to now drop I got to label it freaking explicit. <laughs> well, you already said shit. I did say shit, but that's so, so passive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, alrighty. Until next All right. time. Until next time. One. You too. Bye. Bye.